Welcome to another episode of our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Visit our website for complete collections of your favorite old-time radio series. Remember to follow us so you won't miss new releases from SolvedMystery.com. Time now for Rocky Jordan. You can't always be right, but with the practice I've had, it doesn't take long to spot a phony. She had on low tan Oxford shoes, service weight hose that disappeared under the hem of a very new lookish tweed suit. Her hair was plastered down in a severe updo that left her ears sticking out as perfect resting places for the brown tortoiseshell arms of her glasses. She was carrying a brown leather briefcase, and the end of her nose was tilted just a little as if something smelled. I thought so, too. Again, we bring you a story of adventure with Rocky Jordan, proprietor of the Cafe Tambourine, which stands in a narrow street off Cairo's native quarter in sight of the mosque Sultan Hassan. The Cafe Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men of the waterfronts, alive with the babble of many languages. Now, Rocky Jordan and tonight's story, Up in Flames. From her hairdo to her round-toed Oxford shoes, she looked 100% businesswoman. I mentally turned up my sales resistance to medium and sat back. She learned her lines for the role by heart. Mr. Jordan, I am Miss Bates. I represent the International Fire Insurance Company with head office in New York. I am certain that you already carry fire insurance, but with the rising costs of building materials and good labor, is it adequate to replace your establishment if it were to burn to the ground? Oh, Miss Bates, I... am certain it is not, Mr. Jordan. My company, sensing the trend of the upward spiral in replacement costs, has decided to extend for this fiscal period an added inducement policy covering the differential in costs that has developed. Now, look, Miss Bates, no doubt what you say is true, but I'm not interested in any more fire insurance. Mr. Jordan, your attitude is typical. But under the current circumstances, don't you think it would be wise to reconsider... What circumstances, Miss Bates? Surely, Mr. Jordan, you must be aware of the unusual number of major fires in Cairo in the last three months. All right, sister, drop the act. What's the pitch? Mr. Jordan, you do me a great injustice. In all Oh, excuse me. Cases... Hello, Cafe Tambourine. Hello, Rocky Jordan. Speaking. Oh, Rocky, this is Lefty Miller. I met you in the back room of Gus Gimlick's snooker parlor, remember? Oh, yeah. How's the broken nose and cauliflower ear business? Same as always, Rocky. I'm in a semi-final bout tonight at the American Club. Coming to the fight? Oh, I thought I'd drop in. Why? Um, I'd like to have you come down to my dressing room before my fight. I got a little favor to ask. Why not ask me now? I can't, Rocky. It's something personal. It takes too long to explain over the phone. What do you say, Rock, huh? Oh, okay, Lefty. I'll stop by. That's uh, well, Rocky. I'll leave a ringside ticket for your information test. Oh, thanks. Don't mention it. See you tonight, Rock. Goodbye. Now, Mr. Jordan. Hmm? Oh, uh, you still here, Miss Bates? Here's my business card. Both day and night telephone numbers are on it in case you wish to reconsider. One never knows when a conflagration might cause irreplaceable loss. Oh, I'm certain one doesn't, Miss Bates. Well, if I change my mind, I'll let you know. Mr. Jordan, Mr. Agrazian, who owned the frozen food lockers at 937 Kamal Street, Mr. Tanute, who owned the hotel at 3014 Shariel Motor and Mr. Shoup, who owned the drugstore at the corner of Akil and Canal, felt exactly as you do. Now, since their establishments have been completely destroyed by fire... 
They are very glad they reconsidered and took out adequate protection with my company. You might check with them, Mr. Jordan. They might help you to change your mind. With that clincher, she closed the door and left. I decided to check up on her little game, so I ignored her card, looked up the telephone number of the International Fire Insurance Company in the phone book, dialed the number, and asked for the manager. This is Mr. Temple speaking. Who's calling, please? Oh, I want some information about fire insurance. I already have some, but I, I need more. Will your company issue additional insurance? Oh, indeed we will, sir. In fact, at this very time, our company, sensing the trend of the upward spiral in replacement costs, has decided to extend for this fiscal period an added inducement policy covering the differential in costs that is developed. Oh, that, that's fine. Now, if I wanted a salesman to call, uh, who might I expect? I will arrange to have our star salesperson contact you in the morning. Her name is Miss Bates. Uh, who is this calling, please? That was what I figured was wrong with the deal. It was too pat. Everything fitted together too well. No flaws. Then maybe Sam could spot one. So I called him. Cairo Police, Captain Sabaya. Jordan, Sam. What is it now, Jordan? How many bodies and where are they? <laughs> no bodies, Sam. Just me. Uh, is this a pleasure call? Oh, could be. How's about taking the night off and going to the fights at the American Club with me? Oh, I would be delighted, Jordan. Only Commissioner Baromid takes a rather dim view of his men relaxing in such a manner while on duty. Oh, it's too bad, Sam. Some other time then, huh? Uh, oh, uh, Sam. Ah, uh -huh. now it comes out. All right, Jordan. Let's have it from the beginning. <laughs> You're in a rut. All I want is some information. I'm waiting. You got any leads on who's been setting all the fires we've been having lately? Jordan, if you know something we... Calm do down. I haven't got a thing. What about all those fires? Well, every one of them causes unknown, owners away at the time, no evidence of arson. Luckily, most of them were adequately insured. Uh, with the uh, International Fire Insurance Company, Sam? How did you know that, Jordan? Were the claims paid? Every one of them, Jordan. What are you running into? A blank wall, Sam. See you later. I decided to forget about Miss Bates and her fire insurance. I had about two and a half hours to kill, so I did a very strange thing. Went out into my cafe, sat down, and had a steak on the house. It wasn't bad. Maybe I should do it more often. I picked up my ringside seat ticket at the information desk at the American Club. The attendant told me Lefty Miller's dressing room was number seven in the basement under the gymnasium. The first preliminary was already underway upstairs. Lefty's door was open. He was sitting on his rubdown table, a faded purple dressing gown over his shoulders. His manager and his sparring partner in second were just finishing tying up his shoelaces. Rocky, come on in. Hey, look, Mac, you and Benny step outside for a while. Will you want to talk to Jordan alone? What's the idea, Lefty? You'll be on for so. Never mind. You and Benny wait out in the hall. This won't take long. Okay, if that's the way you want it. Hey. Uh, Rocky, uh, Gus Gimlick says you're a right guy, that you don't mind doing a favor now and then. Well, I'll return the compliment when I see him. All right, what is it? I came down to see the fights, remember? This won't take but a minute. Uh, Rock, my wallet's in my coat pocket there in the locker. Get it out for me, will you? Sure. Uh, this it? Yeah. There's 250 bucks in it. Take the dough out, will you? Okay. Now what? Quick, stick the dough in your pocket. They might come back in. Now, here's the favor. When you go back upstairs, I want you to bet it on tonight's... Oh, get the phone for me, will you, Rock? I got my gloves on. Hello? Hello, Jordan. Yes, sir. How'd you find me? I called the information desk to have you page on the loudspeaker. They said you were in Lefty Miller's dressing room. That's how. Uh, I'll buy that. What do you want, Sam? Jordan, 
If any of my men stop you as you are hurrying back to the tambourine, tell them you are going to a fire. What's that? I'm trying to tell you. It just came over the teletype machine. The tambourine, your cafe, is on fire. Thanks, Sam. I'm on my way. Hey, Jordan, where you going? I ain't finished. No time to explain, Lefty. I didn't get to use Sam's advice. Nobody stopped me. I pulled up in front of the tambourine. Business was going on as usual, so I wheeled around to the back. There'd been a fire, all right. Seemed the trash barrel had caught on fire and smoked up the back wall of my cafe a little. Uh, if this was a practical hint to buy more fire insurance, I didn't like it. I went inside. Miss Bates' card was still on my desk. I called the night number. A man answered, but I didn't hang up. Hello, this is Mr. Temple speaking. Oh, uh, I called earlier today for some information. Oh, you're the gentleman who called. We must have been cut off or disconnected. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, would you please give me the phone number or the address of your star salesperson, your Miss Bates? Uh, who is this, please? And may I ask why you want that information tonight? Well, never mind, Temple. Just give me your phone number or her address. Who is this speaking, please? My name is Jordan. I run the Cafe Tambourine. I want to talk to you, Miss Bates, about a little fire. Mr. Jordan, can't the discussion take place tomorrow? Miss Bates is asleep now. What, at this hour? Wake her up and get her to the phone. Mr. Jordan, I am seldom abrupt with the prospective client, but I am afraid you're overstepping your bounds. This apartment is my home. Miss Bates is my wife, and she's worked very hard today. If I do not choose to awaken her, that is my prerogative. Good night, sir. Well, that was that. It was too late to go back to the fight, so I tore up my ringside ticket and went out into the cafe. About 45 minutes later, Lefty Miller's fight manager, Mac, walked in, spotted me, and came over. Jordan, I want to talk to you. All right, go ahead. Let's go in your office. Oh, real private, huh? Okay, come on. Hey, Jordan, why did you come to Lefty's dressing room tonight? I'm an admirer of muscles. I'm a smart guy. What went on in there? Look, if it's just 250 bucks you want here. He said he wanted me to bet him on the fight, but I left the club before I could make the bet. Well, what's sticking in your craw? You wouldn't be knowing that Lefty took a dive in the third round and didn't even make it look good. What? Look, Jordan, I don't appreciate guys getting to my boy. When I find out for sure it was you who did it, I'm coming back. Time's up. End of bout. Beat it, Mac. Take Lefty's dough with you. Mac took the 250, gave me a dirty look for a receipt, and slammed the door behind him. Now, things had been jumping all evening. I hoped they'd quiet down, but they didn't. They started happening two at a time. Hey, come in. Hello? Uh, hello, Mr. Jordan. Jordan, this is Savaya. Oh, hello, Sam. His name isn't Sam, Mr. Jordan. It's Timothy. Keep quiet, will you? What's that, Jordan? Oh, not you, Sam. No, go, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. wait, dear Mr. Jordan. Perhaps you did phone. not know, but since I talked to you last, there has been another fire. Why tell me? Well, you seem so interested earlier tonight. Is this a pleasure call, Sam? Indeed it is not. The American club gymnasium has burned down, and your prizefighter friend, Lefty Miller, is lying dead. Lefty's dead? Burned to death in dressing room seven. I am calling from the main building of the club. I want you to come down immediately. Okay, Sam. I'll, I'll be right over. Now, you there. What are you... Good evening, Mr. Jordan. When my husband, Timothy, here, told me how agitated you sounded on the telephone earlier this evening, I realized you must have reconsidered. So we got dressed and hurried right over. Now, Mr. Jordan, just how much additional fire insurance do you think you will need? <laughs> Rocky Jordan returns in just a moment. On New Year's Day, CBS will devote every facility to accurately bring you the happenings in Pasadena, 
all the beauty and color of the parade and the thrilling play-by-play description of the Rose Bowl game. Now back to Rocky Jordan and tonight's story, Up in Flames. It all started when Miss Bates, tweed suit, horn-rimmed glasses, and briefcase had tried to sell me some extra fire insurance. I didn't like the deal. I couldn't put my finger on the spot where it left the straight and narrow, so it still bothered me. Item one, the prize fighter named Lefty Miller, who took a dive in the third round of his fight, and his manager blamed me. Item two, a fire in back of my cafe tambourine. Item three, and this is where things started happening two at a time, Sam Sabaya called me on the phone, and at the same time, at 11 o'clock at night, who should walk into my office but that certain Miss Bates and her husband, Mr. Temple? Subject... Fire insurance. I said, Mr. Jordan, how much additional fire insurance do you think you'll need? Well, look, something has just come up that's going to delay my decision. But, Mr. Jordan, you see... The that... American Club gym is burned down. What? Oh, good Lord, another one. And a prize fighter was burned to death in his dressing room. Oh, how awful. And Captain Sam Sabaya wants me to come right over, so if you'll both pardon me... We'll do more than pardon you, Mr. Jordan. We'll drive you down there. Come on. It came out during the ride that the American Club was insured with International. I had a feeling it would be. There was still some equipment and a lot of people around when we arrived. Mr. and Mrs. Temple went looking for Bert Johnson, the manager of the club. I went looking for Sabaya. I found him with some of his men in the basement of the gym. He turned his flashlight on me as I came up. So, Jordan, you finally got here. Yes, Sam, now that I'm here, why were you so anxious for me to come down? I thought perhaps the atmosphere here might induce you to tell me what is going on. Sam, believe me, I would if I could, but, but I can't. But I can't. You mean you will not. Very well, Jordan, look around you. Sam began pointing things out with his flashlight. They weren't pretty, especially the body lying beside the burned rub-down table. Sam played his flashlight on the lockers, then over to the wall in the back. He held it steady for a moment on the electric light fuse box. A little metal door was hanging open. Is that what caused it, Sam? No. If there had been a short circuit, the fuse would have burned out. I checked them. None of them is burned out. Any ideas? Perhaps you would like to explain what you were doing here earlier this evening. Lefty Miller phoned this afternoon and said he wanted me to come to his dressing room before the fight. He wanted to ask me a favor. Yes, go on. It turned out he wanted me to bet 250 bucks of his money on the fight. You called before he could do it. That's all, Sam. Thank you, Jordan. I might have known you would not tell me the truth at this time. Sam's like that. This was once I didn't blame him. That didn't make much sense to me either. I knew I should get to Lefty's manager, Mac, before Sam did. I wanted to clear up a few things, so I took off. On the way downtown in the taxi, I figured Gus Gimlick would know where I might find Mac. I checked my watch. If things were running normal in the back room of Gus Gimlick's snooker parlor... They'd be getting the results of yesterday's races short way from the States. Now, we finally pulled up in front of Gus's place. I told the driver to wait, walked down in, and through to the back room. Things were running normal. They were waiting for the results of the fifth, the Tanforan. It wasn't hard to spot Gus, even in the crowd. He was all Greek and a yard wide. He weighed a little over 300 pounds. He looked up from a form chart as I walked over. Hello, Rocky. You'll have to hurry if you want to get the bed done. The fifth is about to start. Horses are entering the starting. Oh, thanks. Just same, Gus. I'll sit this one out. Suit yourself, Rocky. 
You got something on your mind? Yeah. You know Lefty Miller's fight manager, Gus? His name's Mac. Yeah, they're all in the store. Yes, I know Mac. He's not very smart, but he's honest. Why? Well, I want to get in touch with him. You know where I might find him? And there they go. Yeah, the fifth race is done. Blue Flash is going to the front. Ernie Keltner is second. Maximilian is third. Day's end is fourth. Flying Knight is fifth. And up in flames. Where can I find him, Gus? Later, Rocky, after the race. Blue Flash in front by a nose. Ernie Keltner is second by one length. Day's end is pulling up between horses. It is now third. Maximilian is fourth. Flying Knight and up in flames. Who's the favorite, Gus? Day's end. But most of these in guys the got bets on the long side. Up in flames. Up in flames. Ernie Keltner is third. Flying Knight is fourth. Maximilian is fifth. And up in flames. <laughs> up in flames. They said home. it was a hot tip, Rocky. Ah. Is second by half a length. Flying Knight is third. Ernie Keltner is fourth. Up in flames is fifth. And Maximilian. And there goes up in flames. He found a hole on the rail and is moving up between horses. God, Gus, your bankroll's going up in flames. It's Blue Flash, Days End, and Up in Flames. Now it's Days End and Blue Flash, and Up in Flames. They're in a drive and coming down to the line of finish. It's Days End, and Up in Flames. And Up in Flames gets up to win it by a nose. Days End is second, and Ernie Keltner is third in front of Blue Flash. Not too bad, Gus. Can't win all the time. Don't worry, Rocky. I'll get it back. There are still two races to go. Now they'll all bet on the long shots. I hope they do, Gus. But to get back to where I can find Mac. Oh, yes. I don't know where he lives, but he hangs around Lefty's apartment all the time. It's 847 St. George Street. 847 St. George Street turned out to be a medium-sized apartment house in a middle-class neighborhood. I paid the driver and walked up the six stone steps to the entranceway. The entrance light was burned out, so I scratched a match. The name Lefty Miller was on the mailbox, numbered 311. I started to flick out the match and stopped. Just under it on the mailbox, numbered 211, was the name Mr. and Mrs. Timothy Temple. It was a mild shock, but I'd been waiting for something like this all evening. Things had to tie together, and maybe this was it. I went upstairs and knocked on the door just under where it said 311. I hoped the door would open. It did. And I got another shock. This one gave me the full treatment. Well, Rocky Jordan, come in, come in. It was Lefty Miller, and very much alive. Come in, Rocky, come on in. I went in. Lefty seemed glad to see me. While I stood there trying to believe my eyes, I noticed on a long table about five or six radios with their parts scattered all around them. I'm uh, glad you dropped by, Rocky. Did you get that bet down on me to lose? This may come as sort of a mild surprise, Lefty, but not more than an hour ago. I left your dead body lying in three inches of sooty water in what was left of dressing room seven after the fire. My dead body? Fire? What fire? You don't know that the American Club gym burned down? Well, no, Rocky, but what do you mean? There was a body in your dressing room that everyone figured was you. Good Lord, Benny. Benny? Yeah, my sparring partner in second. Rocky, this is awful. They'll say I killed him. Did you? No. I'll admit we had a quarrel. I, I knocked him out, but I didn't kill him. Wait a minute. You said just now, did I get the bet down on you to lose? That's what Benny and I had the fight about. I didn't tell him I was going to take that dive in the third round. Then it was a phony dive. Sure, I admit it. Benny bet on me to win. He was sore about it. He swung on me after Mac left. I let him have one on the chin, left him lying on the rubdown table. I turned out the lights, closed the door, and left. That's all. Hey... You didn't bet my money on me to win, did you? I didn't bet your money at all. 
I gave it to Mac when he came over to my cafe later. I said that's where he went. Maybe he figured you got me to take the dive. Why did you? That was Gus Gimlick's idea. I owed him some money. Some horses, I bet, on decided not to come in. He said if I take the dive in the third round, he'd cancel it that. That's a quick way to end your fight career. As far as I'm concerned, it's over right now. I wasn't making any dough in a fight game. None of bouts. I've been making my rent money repairing radios. It's quite a hobby for a prize fighter. I picked it up during the war. Essential industry kept me out of the army. Oh. Hey, let me show you the combination screwdriver and soldering iron I invented. Oh, uh, some other time. Hey, uh, what did you come here for, Rocky? I was looking for Mac to convince him I didn't get you to take the dive. I guess it won't be necessary now. No, I guess not, Rocky. Going already? Yeah, but you'd better stick around. I think you're going to have another visitor. An official one. Lefty shrugged his shoulders, picked up his combination screwdriver and soldering iron, and turned towards the table with the dismantled radios. I closed the door and walked down three flights to the front entrance. The timing was perfect. Sam's limousine pulled up at the curb just as I was going down the six stone steps. Jordan! Jordan, what were you doing in there? Talking to a very much alive dead man, Sam. You'll find his story very interesting. No doubt, Jordan. The body is not that of Lefty Miller, but of his sparring partner and second, Benny Myers. Miller was seen leaving the club quite some time before the fire. Yeah. Hmm. Jordan, a penny for your thoughts. You just rang a bell, Sam. See you later. Jordan, come back here! I guess Sam figured he knew where he could find me later, because he didn't follow me. I grabbed a taxi at the corner and headed for dressing room seven of the American Club gym. I didn't ask for permission and nobody tried to stop me. Just as the fourth match was burning my finger, I found what I was looking for. Fourteen minutes later, I pulled up at 937 Kemal Street at the charred remains of Mr. Agrazian's frozen food lockers. The next stop was 3014 Shariel Motifar and what used to be Mr. Tanut's small hotel. From there, we wheeled around and went to what used to be Mr. Shoup's drugstore at the corner of Bakil and Canal. Then I gave the driver the address of 847 St. George Street and settled back to count my evening's loot. Adding them up carefully, they would just come to the price of the new American airmail postcard. I told the driver to wait, ran up the six stone steps and went inside. This time I knocked on the door right under where it said 211. I figured when the door opened, it'd be Timothy Temple. It was, and he was in a bathroom. Mr. Jordan. Uh, Thanks for asking me in, Temple. What do you mean by forcing your way in like this? What do you want, Jordan? I'm onto your game, Temple. Did you ever see these before? You're asking me to identify four American pennies, Mr. Jordan? They're yours, aren't they? How would I know? Look, will you please go? Mrs. Temple and I were about to go to sleep. Who is it, dear? What is going on? Oh, Mr. Jordan. Well, you look quite different without your glasses, Miss Bates. Uh, Mrs. Temple. Mr. Jordan, I don't know why you forced your way in here like this, but will you please go? We would like to go to sleep. With that radio on in the bedroom? Sounds more like you were dancing. Mr. Jordan, that radio is not in our bedroom. It is in the apartment upstairs. That awful man plays his radio day and night. And what is more, he is a prize fighter, and when Timothy reprimanded him, he offered to knock my husband's block off. We are going to move just as soon as we can find another apartment. Uh, it's just possible I could be wrong about you two. What are you getting at, Jordan? Why did you want me to identify those four coins? Let me ask one, friend. 
Who besides you and your wife would know to whom you had sold extra fire insurance? It is odd you ask, Mr. Jordan. My husband and I have tried to keep that information a secret between us, discussing it only here at home. The number of our clients having fires is alarmingly high. The head office is quite disturbed. Well, what would happen if you could prove those fires were deliberately set just to collect the insurance? Why, we could force them to return the money and put the guilty persons in prison. But what makes you think the fires were not accidental? There's no proof. I've got the proof, Temple. Wait a minute. You stay right here. I've got an idea. I left Mr. and Mrs. T looking at each other without saying a word. I didn't count the steps between 211 and 311, but there weren't many. I tried the door of 311. It wasn't locked, so I opened it. And here they are. Lefty was gone. The music was coming from one of the radios. I walked over and turned it off. Mr. and Mrs. Temple's voices were coming out of a pair of headphones lying on Lefty's work table. It all fit now. I had my answers. I walked over to the phone and called Sam. Hello, police. Captain Zabaya. Uh, Jordan, Sam. Any of you boys around this time of night? Certainly. Why? If they want to know where you're taking them, tell them you're going to a fire. Jordan, what are you talking about? No time for details, Sam. Meet me at my cafe as soon as you can. Maybe we can catch the guy red-handed. I think somebody's getting ready to set fire to the tambourine. Hurry, Sam. When we pulled up in front of the tambourine, there was no sign of Sabaya. I tossed the driver a five-pound note and reached for my keys as I crossed the sidewalk. Except for the little service light in the back of the bar, the cafe was dark. I opened the front door, started for my office. I figured I'd find him there. I was just about even with the foot of the stairs going up to my room over the office when the upstairs door opened and he was framed in the light. I started up the stairs after him. He met me halfway and proved the theory that what goes up must come down. We untangled at the foot of the stairs and I swung on him. I should have known better. He was a trained fighter. He caught me right on the button and I went backwards against one of the service tables full of glasses and silverware. I got up and started for him again. His back was to the front door. Just then, Sam, with full siren, pulled up out front. My opponent turned. His chin was silhouetted against the glare and the headlights, and I let him have it. For the second time in one night, Lefty Miller took a dive. Only this time, it wasn't fate. Rocky Jordan returns in a matter of seconds with the ending of tonight's story. On New Year's Day, the Rose Bowl kickoff will be at 2 instead of 3 p.m. due to the return of California to standard time. Remember to enjoy both the Tournament of Roses and the Rose Bowl game on your local CBS station, New Year's Day. Now back to Rocky Jordan for the ending of tonight's story. Well, I'll say this for Sam. When you really need him, he's right there. If there were more like him, the world would be much better off. But as usual, he wanted all the details, and from the beginning. All right, George, and how did you know we would find Lefty Miller here in your cafe? Well, Sam, I just figured. When I heard Mr. and Mrs. Temple's voices on the earphones in Lefty's room, I knew he'd been listening in on them. Hmm. Maybe first as a gag, but he was the only one besides the Temples who could have known who they'd sold fire insurance to. So he was the one who had gotten the owners to agree to let him fix up the accidental fires. Exactly. He convinced them that he could do the job, and when they collected the insurance money, all he wanted was a percentage of the profits. Mm. 
Georgian, how did you figure out he did it? Well, first of all, Lefty was an electrician. Fixed radios. He also had invented a combination screwdriver and solder. Georgian, wire. keep it simple. Oh, I will, Sam. He went to those places and did a little work on a light switch. A couple of drops of solder in the right place. And he put a penny behind the fuse to keep it from burning out when the short developed. All the owner had to do was to turn out the lights, lock up the joint, go someplace where he'd have a perfect alibi. After a while, the short would develop, and the penny behind the fuse kept it from burning out. And there you have it. Fire. Cause unknown. But hmm. well, you still haven't told me why you knew he would be here at the tambourine. Well, it's the pattern, Sam. Lefty's sparring partner, Benny, must have caught on to him. So after Lefty knocked Benny out, he fixed the light switch in the dressing room, put the penny behind the fuse, turned off the lights, closed the door, and left. Perfect alibi. But the tambourine, George. Well, that follows, Sam. He'd fix the light switch in my bedroom. I'd come in and figure I'd forgotten to turn the light off. Finally, I'd turn it off and go to bed. Then when I was asleep, the short would develop. No tambourine, no Jordan. Up in flames. Up in flames. Hmm. <laughs> you don't miss a bet, do you, Jordan? I wondered what you were doing in Gos Gimlick's back room tonight. <laughs> Rocky Jordan is presented from Columbia Square in Hollywood and stars Jack Moyles in the title role. Tonight's story was produced, written, and directed by Cliff Howell with original music by Milton Charles. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for joining us and enjoying our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Please remember to leave us a review and to follow us for frequent releases.